cycling and the criminal law. This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hi, I'm Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcrofts. Hello, I'm Emily Formby of 39 Essex Chambers. And in this episode, we shall be asking whether the criminal law has kept up with the modern cyclist. Hi, how are you today, Emily? I'm fine, thanks. Although I had a bit of a wet cycle in this morning, so I'm feeling a little damp as I sit here. But I'm really interested in this topic, actually, because I think it's something that touches upon quite a lot of the work we tend to do in the civil sphere, uh, but about which uh, I think people know... Uh, I was going to say our regular listeners, if we have such things, um, might know a bit less than about some of the other topics we talk about. Well, I think that's definitely the case. I think most people will probably have one case of reference on this, and it's from, well, coming up to four years ago now, when um, Charlie Alliston, a young cyclist in central London who was riding a fixie bike, um, and a fixie bike, just to clarify, has no brakes, unfortunately collided with a Kim Briggs who was on her lunch break in central London and she tragically died as a result of the collision. Yeah, so a fixie bike's one, it's got fixed gears, hasn't it? It's those ones that are really kind of popular, well, and, and brakes, but are completely stripped down. So all you have is a handlebar and a couple of wheels. Um, and um, I'm not quite sure why people prefer them, but they um, are sort of a stripped back version of what... Uh, you and I rely on but obviously it makes it rather hard to um, stop and control yourself. Well it also means that the obviously the bike is classified as illegal um, on the basis that it's got no brakes and as we learned in our discussion with Nick um, it's a requirement that a, that a bike if you're riding a bike on English roads it has to have working brakes. Do I think it's interesting because I'm sure most people don't realise that they are immediately on an illegal bike. I mean I know you know they, they have a sort of certain cachet sort of trendiness having a bike uh, that looks so stripped down and bare Um, and I I wonder if people realise that they're actually riding something that's illegal. Well I think that in if you read through the cases um, sorry the case reports in relation to this incident he was uh, it was he hadn't had the bike that long it was um, a track bike. Yeah I think that's the danger isn't it people start off riding on a bike for one particular reason they have a track bike or they have um, um, something that they, they, they've, they've just sort of bought in the shop because it looks good. And, and they don't necessarily know, uh, you know, what, what, what their liabilities are, as we were talking with, with Nick in the other episode. I mean, I wonder if there ought to be, I mean, before we come on to the actual offence itself, there ought to be some kind of penalty or some kind of uh, obligation on those selling bikes to make sure that the correct information is handed out with them. I mean, I don't know if it was in this case. Um, but as you say, I mean, he was cycling along at quite some speed, about 18 miles an hour, when he um, uh, hit Kim when she was crossing the road in central London. But I think um, before we feel too sorry for him, um, if, if, if one is, I mean, I think it's a completely tragic incident. But there was also that rather unpleasant suggestion that he had somehow shouted at her or had um, 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 been, been shouting at her. Uh, at or or about the time that that the collision occurred, and so um, he had had, if not the opportunity to do anything about it, some some vision of her. And we all know the experience of uh, cyclists 
cycling at, at some pace and shouting at pedestrians to jump out of the way. Yeah, I know from my own experience of cycling through central Bristol or even on the cycle path, you are looking at the people in front of you and trying <laughs> to work out where they're going. And I'm constantly on my brakes or my hands are hovering over my brakes so I can slow down or stop if needed. And I've also got a bell and I've also got my voice if I can't get my hand to my bell quickly enough. Um, in this um, uh case he'd shouted out a couple of times um not necessarily the most pleasant shout out um to before uh, and she panicked she'd already got halfway across the road um couldn't go to the uh, across the next lane because there was traffic um heard him shouting and in the the heat of the moment um i think stepped back into his path and that's when the collision occurred yeah that's a terrible tragedy isn't it i mean in the heat of the moment and the panic it's uh, hard to know to know what you do but um it's important to remember that actions that someone takes in what the legal phrase is often the agony of the moment uh, isn't isn't brought to bear in terms of blame on them particularly the civil liability sphere um there's a sort of acceptance that um uh, if you're if you're taking you know urgent steps the adrenaline is taken over that you're not going to be criticized for as it happened stepping back into the path of the of the oncoming vehicle um charlie alliston was char was charged with two different um, offenses one was unlawful act manslaughter and the other was the wanton and furious driving in terms of the manslaughter that was dismissed by the jury but he was found guilty of the wanton and furious driving um and the reason he was charged with wanton and furious driving is because within the sphere of uh, criminal offences that cyclists might uh, find themselves up against, there aren't the offences that you would have if you were a driver, which is obviously um, causing death by dangerous driving or causing serious injury by dangerous driving or even causing death by careless driving. There's the only offences that you can really be charged with as a cyclist is dangerous or careless cycling. So wanton and furious cycling, I mean, that sounds a very old-fashioned sort of um, uh, terminology. How, um, how, how old is, the, is that uh, law? Uh, well, it's from 1861. Uh -huh. So it shows you how, how old it is. And it actually applied to carriage driving. So it was uh, people in their carriages with their horses losing control and uh, running uh, a mock as such it's um yeah so that it's causing bodily harm by wanton or furious driving or other misconduct contrary to section 35 of the offenses against the person act 1861 and the maximum penalty if you're found guilty of that is two years and or an unlimited fine so that sounds like an ideal modern day terminology and modern day litigation for the uh, raft of uh, cyclists that we have seeing burgeoning onto our streets. Well, I think the the issue people had with, in particular, this case is obviously the maximum penalty is two years. If, for example, he'd been driving along at 18 miles an hour in a car and had failed to stop or slow down and had hit, hit um, Mrs. Briggs, and it, he was classed as uh, dangerous driving, the maximum sentence there is 14 years imprisonment, um, being disqualified then for two years, three to, and if not, three to 11 points on the licence, and then an extended retest um, it being mandatory when you can get back out driving. Um, or even if he'd been um, found guilty of causing death by careless driving, the penalty there is five, the maximum penalty there, sorry, is five years. So again, it's... Um, a good few years more than he was found um sorry than under wanton or furious driving so the, um sorry i was just going to say i mean and that's actually wanton and furious driving but 
or what and furious cycling but she actually died didn't she Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of the consequence um, is, it, it isn't really encompassed in the offence because obviously in offences against a person you have, you know, assault and GBH, manslaughter, murder, you know, you have an escalation based on the outcome. Whereas um, this offence doesn't change due to the nature of the harm caused, does it? No. Uh, I think one thing to flag is obviously... There's not that many cyclists on pedestrian um, deaths, um, sorry, pedestrians being killed by cyclists in a year. I think the the average is two to three every year. So we're not talking about huge numbers here. But as you said, you've got somebody who's died as a result of this accident. Somebody has been killed and is two years an appropriate um, sentence at the end of it. Well, I suppose Um, it's because the offence is the manner of what you're doing, as in the wanton cycling rather than the outcome, which obviously the assault cases, as I just said, of, you know, assault, murder, GBH, mm-hmm. that's all about outcome. Whereas this is, you are carrying out your wanton and furious driving or your wanton and furious cycling. And then that's an offence in itself. Um, and, and there's no change or there's no reflection of the outcome of that offence. Yeah. And uh, the, the difference as well between the the driving offences and the cycle, this wanton and furious driving is that it's a subjective test in the wanton and furious versus an objective test in the in the um, driving offences. Um, so what it means in terms of the wanton and furious is that the actual driver of the horse carriage or in, in the cases now as the cyclists um, ha- have to have a degree of subjective recklessness so what it means is they've got to have um, understand that they might cause harm is possible or probable as a result of how they're actually driving um, whereas in terms of dangerous or careless driving it's got to be it's an objective test as in um, we're looking at a competent and careful driver or cyclist what would rather than the actual specific individual involved in the case. So it has to be what was in the mind of the cyclist at the time rather than what the average bystander would have assumed. Yeah, it's a subjective test. But I suppose in a criminal case, it's still the jury who will decide whether or not that's made out. Yeah, um, but I think that uh, if, if you go back to what he was originally charged with, he was charged with a not lawful act, manslaughter, or wanton and furious driving. Um, and if you think about a driver, whether or not they'd be charged with manslaughter, they don't need to because the driving offences are there. Because I think we all know that, um, well, our, if you're charging somebody with manslaughter, it's seen the public perception is that's you went out with the the view that you were going to kill somebody you might not have necessarily meant it obviously because that would be murder but you've <laughs> you've gone ahead um and it's it's a completely different act you i think um people find it very difficult and the view is that jury trials definitely find it very difficult to um think that somebody intended to cause serious injury or death or was reckless as to it which would be the manslaughter so that's why um it's very difficult to get um, a conviction for manslaughter in this kind of situation it's going and the fallback position for um the criminal courts in this country is the wanton and furious cycling but i suppose you've still got the offenses against the person act which is another modern act being 1861 um and so you it's still possible to have a um, an offence of uh, GBH or ABH, um, section forty seven or eighteen twenty, and 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 um, uh, bring the claim in relation to the harm that's caused in relation to the outcome. 
Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose that 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 is possible, but I suppose that that then falls into the um, the the um, objective trap of the uh, of of the usual problems with the Fence Against the Persons Act of of what was in the mind of the um, of the defendant in the mind of the offender yeah and it's one of these subjects that it's not necessarily just um a question in this country about whether or not um there should be specific offenses for cycling um to be introduced if you go around the world it's a hodgepodge everywhere else as well in ireland for example careless and dangerous driving laws also apply to cyclists um it's the same in the netherlands and germany so however sorry so just that stop that a second that means that they treat bikes and cars in the same yeah. way because yeah. we're always uh, the english law is quite obsessed with the method of propulsion isn't it of of whether it's a mechanical um and whether it's on a road and and, and that sort of the process of propulsion rather than uh being something conveying people on uh, in public well yeah because the rta act 1988 applies to mechanically propelled vehicles um right and that's why the um the offenses that we were just going on about in terms of the death by dangerous serious injury by dangerous driving that's why they apply to vehicles it's the same as um failure to stop if you fa- fail to stop at an accident as a cyclist um you're not going to get charged with that because it only applies to the driver of a mechanically propelled vehicle. Um, obviously, in Ireland, Netherlands and Germany, they they just encompass everyone together. Um, in America, it depends on the state you're in. Um, in California, they apply driving laws to cyclists. Um, in Canada, they don't in certain states. So it, it's, it changes wherever you are. In Sweden, cyclists face involuntary manslaughter and causing bodily harm by negligence. So whichever country you're in, it, it, you, you don't know which which is going to impact. Yeah, no, I suppose that impact is difficult to tell, isn't it? I mean, I think that um, I think we can be pretty clear that in every country you should drive with consideration and you should always stop and obey the rules of the road. Um, and I mean, of course, in, in England and Wales, we have the overlap of the highway code, um, which is an entire code that doesn't necessarily carry with it penalties. But if you breach it, you're in breach of the highway code. So, I mean, and we all know the way that that operates within the civil law. That's not automatically determinative of liability, but it's a factor that's borne in mind when looking at the standard of driving. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is... Um, um, mobile phones so obviously we have an offense of uh, uh, using a mobile phone when you're driving and when you're in a car and we all know that that um, carries with it um, penalty points and, and indeed that's something that uh, you know is, is is continued being talked about being ramped up but it doesn't apply to cyclists yeah but at the moment it does apply to e-scooter riders because what's happened obviously in terms of getting e-scooters on the road i'm talking about e-scooters in trials obviously not uh, privately owned ones which as we've discussed before remain illegal but the e-scooters within the trials you can still be um charged with being drunk in charge of an e-scooter if you're found with a using a phone on them all the things that in terms of a car, you can be prosecuted on an e-scooter at the moment. Um, but that might, is obviously going to change if they end up being reclassified at the end of the trial as a non-mechanically 
propel vehicle will be dealt with in the same way as bikes um, and in the last week the first person was banned from the UK roads for drink driving on an e-scooter oh that's interesting on one of the trial scooters yep she was in the Isle of Wight um, she um, was told by the uh, the court that uh, the rules were the same as for as a moped and same as a bus in terms of the rules and penalties that would apply to her she'd hired it after drinking with her friends um, I don't quite know from the story if her friends have been drinking as well and they weren't prosecuted or if she was the only one that was caught but yes um she's had her license taken away from her so that's her driving license yeah because that's the other thing as a cyclist you can have pe- um, penalty points on your license um if you end up going through traffic lights um all of the usual kind of things i'm just trying to find my stats here for you so basically she may well have thought i know I'm going out drinking. I don't want to drive, so I'll get an e-scooter home. Mm-hmm. A little knowing that, in the eyes of the law, that counts as um, just as bad as a as a car. Yeah. Well, this goes back to what we've um, said previously about um, the fact that e-scooters aren't actually toys. They are a means of transport on a main road. So you can get um, points on your license, despite being on the e-scooter, because you could imagine the poor woman on the Isle of Wight thinking, I know, I'm going to go out and have a few drinks with my friends. I won't drive, I'll take the e-scooter home because that'll be a lot safer, without necessarily realising that, in fact, in the eyes of the law, she's... um, in a vehicle that's as much she's as much responsible as she would be in a car. I think this goes back to what we said on previous podcasts about uh, whether or not you're a cyclist or an e-scooter or even a pedestrian. Everyone's got to abide by the rules of the road. Um, obviously, what we the example we were just giving in terms of cyclists don't necessarily have the same. Um, potential for criminal uh, prosecution as a driver but at the moment e-scooter riders do yeah um, but a lot of cyclists don't know that even when they're cycling they can get points on their driving license yeah well get, looking back at some stats um 2018 847 cyclists were convicted of road offenses um which is rise of 16 percent from the uh from 2007 um so you've got careless cycling for ignoring travel traffic signs um obviously going through red lights which i think most drivers think all cyclists do um <laughs> reckless and dangerous cycling cycling drunk and riding on footpaths um average penalty fine was 170 pounds ignoring traffic signals most was the most frequent in 2016 so yeah, going through red, red lights, lights. <laughs> maybe right <laughs> yeah 63 convictions of careless cycling and 26 as reckless and dangerous and in the past seven years so that was at 2018 25 pedestrians had been killed in accidents for cyclists and 700 which, which is actually quite a high figure had been seriously injured yeah and i think as well as the um breaches of the highway code and those sort of prosecutions because it's rule 71 of the highway code isn't it which is jumping red lights you mustn't cross the stop line when the traffic lights are red um the um um you can also uh, in some places be given a fixed penalty notice so um that's uh, something that the police can just hand out there and then and they also do that in for example in london in the royal parks if you're um or in the parks if you're cycling in the park where it says no cycling they can just stop you tap you on the shoulder and um issue a fixed penalty notice there and then well when i was um sat yesterday looking over some stats for this there was um 
a newspaper article about a cyclist who had uploaded on one of the police systems that you can a video showing a uh, close pass from a from a I think it was a lorry driver um, and he uploaded it to show this bad driving by the lorry driver and then he himself was given a um, was charged by the police because they said he was riding on a pavement um, <laughs> that's not very sporting of them <laughs> but he has gone back to them and pointed out that actually it's one of these shared use paths so it's a psych it's for cyclists and pedestrians so he's absolutely fine oh. um and it, whatever else but i think though the police systems are great because it it, it works both ways cyclists are being prosecuted uh, having fixed penalty notices and points in the same way as drivers if a, a driver update uh, uploads a dash cam footage of a cyclist jumping a red light um they're likely to get the same kind of uh, letter from the police as the other way around it's mainly done by cyclists to point out the uh, driver behavior but um i think it shows that the police are looking at it both ways yeah well i suppose that is fair enough and i mean there is nothing more frankly terrifying than than a cycle a, 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 a cyclist suddenly tearing through a red light when you're uh, just getting ready to cross on the green man um and um you know it's it, it's just bad manners all around although um there were also plenty of dash cam footages uploaded by cyclists of uh right of cars being furious at having to go more slowly than they would wish because they have to give room to the bikes and as they catch up with them uh, leaning out of the window and uh, being fairly unpleasant in their behavior but um i think it goes back to what we've always said which is everybody just needs to be as kind as they can to each other because we all have to share the roads and that might be something we talk about in a in a future episode actually about uh, road sharing and space sharing and 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 you know what works and doesn't work because um you know often you get bikes that are going too fast for pedestrians as we you know looping back as we saw in the the, the, the you know the tragic case that we started off with with uh, uh kim briggs and um uh, or you get uh, bikes that are going too slow for the traffic when they're on the road with the cars yeah well Following um, the case from a couple of years ago, the House of Lords have actually put, um, started looking at um, amending, uh, putting through a bill, Road Traffic Offences Cycling Bill. Um, it was first tabled in on the 14th of January last year, but no second uh, reading of it has yet happened, obviously. Well, of course, nobody's had anything to do in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to say, the, the mix of COVID and Brexit means it's, it's on the back burner. Oh, my um, Lord. And that was to deal with dangerous, careless or inconsiderate cycling, in particular applying to a pedal cycle, an electric, ele- sorry, an electrically assisted pedal cycle and also factoring in electric scooters. So um, they know the way the wind is blowing in terms of that. Um, and that um, bill puts in for a maximum custodial sentence of 14 years. So as you can see, trying to bring it in line with the driving offences. Yeah, so I think that's interesting because um, that's several things. On the one hand, that really gives as much culpability for cyclists as for cars. Um, And, you know, query whether or not that is actually fair because um, a a car is much more, as we know, is often described as akin to a weapon um, as opposed to a bike. Um, But I suppose if you're driving, uh, you know, inconsiderate cycling with a maximum penalty of 14 years, it's pretty steep. I mean, the second thing that jumps out at that about me, uh, jumps out of that to me, is uh, the reference of of the electric scooter being included um, in that group of um, 
um, vehicles or that that cohort because as we know in every other area it's regarded as a motorised vehicle and therefore is on the Road Traffic Act so that suggests that at some point down the line um, that vision may change and um, you know that idea of what um, what a scooter may be might you know it might be put into a lower category as time goes by or they might simply be trying to dot their t's and cross their eyes at the same time as i like to say yeah well going back to what you were saying about um a car being seen as akin to a weapon um it's potentially the person behind the wheel rather than the vehicle itself that's causing the problems but um there was an ex one of the reported deaths of a pedestrian last year um back in july a 72 year old peter mccrombie was hit by a cyclist serious head injuries and he died eight days later in that case, the cyclist didn't stop at the scene. He basically, it's a failure to stop, um, fled the scene, abandoned the bike, and through CCTV and some police work, he handed himself in. Um, cyclist, 22 years old, charged with manslaughter and causing bodily harm by wanton and furious driving again. Um, and the provisional date for trial is the end of this year. So that's um, one of the cases last year involving uh, pedestrian death. Another one, 70-year-old lady um, died in a collision with a cyclist in November. But in that one, the cyclist was also suffered serious injuries, including fractures to the ribs and collarbone. Um, I couldn't find any follow-up police report about that. So I, they were appealing for witnesses. So I'm not quite sure whether or not that cyclist will end up being charged or whether or not it looks it was, like it was a um, I was going to say the words knock for knock, but it's not really. They were both yeah. obviously injured in it. Um, so I don't quite know the outcome of that one. Um, but that's two, the two I found, and there's potentially at least another couple from last year. And I suppose that highlights one of the other problems we've talked about before, which is, of course, at the moment, it's still possible to be very incognito on your bike. You know, if a, if a car chooses to uh, try and, you know, uh, leave the scene of an accident without uh, stopping, obviously that's an offence, but the chances are someone will have seen the number plate or enough of a number plate that um, it can be traced and tracked, whereas a bike, very difficult, and there's no requirement to register and there's no requirement to have anything uh, to connect you to the bike so it's um, a lot easier to make off without uh, without penalty yeah and the same depending how the e-scooter trials go and if private scooters are made legal what happens then in terms of uh, registration license plates insurance it's all still up in the air as well yeah i mean i suppose any e-scooter that is being hired on the on-street schemes um the person hiring it will have uh there'll be a fairly easy trace back to them because all the scooters are gps tracked and um coded and barcoded and of course you'll be paying for it so you have to put in something identifying with a bank card so i suppose if they're involved in anything um it, you should at least be able to find the last hirer but um for for your common or garden scooter or bike um, it's possible to, to disappear uh, over the horizon, as they say. Yeah, and the only uh, deaths I've seen recorded so far in relation to e-scooter riders are the YouTube um, social influencer um, who died, and she was hit by a lorry, and another one where he ended up going into a wall. So there's been no actual pedestrians killed by e-scooter riders that I've seen to date in this country anyway. Yeah, no, she was... Um uh, she was killed in, just on the roundabout near Battersea, wasn't she? Uh, Emily yeah. Hartridge. Yeah, that's uh, it. I always remember her because obviously we have the same first name. 
I mean, in a way, that was an accident that was more uh, a lorry and a turning rather than yeah. uh, to do with the e-scooter itself. I mean, not in any way diminishing the tragedy of the outcome, but just in terms of the mechanism by which the accident arose. Uh, but I, I guess it won't be long before we get our, sadly, get our first accident with e-scooters. But uh, maybe by then, the uh, House of Lords will have had a chance to deal with the pandemic, sort out Europe get everything dried and dusted and be able to come back to the uh, legislation. So, I mean, I suppose we posed ourselves a question at the beginning, uh, was whether the criminal law had kept up with uh, modern cycling and vulnerable road users. So what's your view, Caroline? What's your conclusion on that? I think it's 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 getting there, but it's, um, as we just said, it's a bit halted at the moment. Um, I think in terms of, I suppose, not having too much of a personal view on this one, but if um, somebody hits somebody with a car and there is a, they're prosecuted for it and it can be up to 14 years imprisonment, um, it should be balanced with some anybody else on the road. We've, we've said from day one of this podcast that if you're a pedestrian, if you're a cyclist, if you're an e-scooterist, if you're a driver, you've all got a responsibility. I hold my hands up and I completely acknowledge that if you're in a lorry versus if you're cycling, you're driving, a, your vehicles can cause a lot more damage. Um, but when the ultimate outcome is somebody has died, I think um, the law needs to catch up with where it is for drivers, really. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um uh, thankfully it's rare but clearly a bike is able to inflict considerable damage um, and therefore the law ought to reflect um, and have the capacity to reflect however rare that outcome may be um, that that's something that happens and I also sort of think in 21st century uh, Britain 21st century England and Wales to be relying on a 19th century um, criminal act that was uh, designed for carriages uh, is possibly not uh, the the the, uh, the most up to the minute um, bit of uh, legislation one could look at, and uh, I suspect it probably could do with a bit of updating uh, to bring it uh, bring it into line with the 21st century. Thanks, Emily. Oh, you're always welcome. I think it's time for a nice cup of coffee now, and uh, to go and dry off actually. So I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Wheel Life is brought to you by international law firm DAC Beechcraft and Barrister's Chambers, 39 Essex Chambers. Discover more articles, podcasts and webinars over at dacbeachcroft.com and 39essex.com.